Uh, If you would, go ahead and open your copy of God's Word to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. This has been long planned out as the text that I have had my heart set on preaching Easter morning. And so, praise God for His providence and allowing us uh, to be able to do that. And we're going to read, taking up at verse 10 this morning and reading all the way to verse 18 in a sermon entitled, From Weeping to Worship. From Weeping to Worship. Uh, to worship. Let's read together John chapter 20, uh, verses 10 through 18. The precious and fallible word of God says this. So the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But I go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and to your father and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I've seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. First Baptist Church of Gray Gables, grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's go to the Lord and thank him for his word. Father, we do thank you for this tremendous word. Lord, we thank you that we do not weep as those who have no hope, but we know that because of the resurrection, you turn our weeping into worship. Father, be with us now as we seek to be transformed by your word. Help us understand it. Helpfully write, help us rightfully ap- apply it. And Lord, uh, we, pr- we pray that we would receive this word with grateful, thankful hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, if you remember last week in the previous passage, we learned that Mary had informed John and Peter about the empty tomb. And we're told that she was under the impression that somebody had taken the body of her Lord. So John and Peter, remember, they run to the grave while Mary likely was lagging behind them. And upon arriving at the gravesite, Peter and John looked into the tomb and they found the burial cloths left behind. Mary was right. The body of the Lord wasn't there, but she was wrong as to what happened to the body of the Lord. She was wrong as to why it wasn't there. We read that John saw these things. He saw the burial cloth and he believed. And then we we read in Luke chapter 24 that Peter, Peter marveled at what had happened. But then we're both told in verse 10 that they left and went back to their homes while Mary remained there at the tomb. Mary, at this point, she was still overcome with sorrow and grief at this whole matter. 
Not only was she mourning the loss of uh, her Lord and his death, but to add insult to injury, she thought someone had stolen his body. That was more than she could bear or imagine. And so there she is weeping, pouring out her tears at the tomb of her Lord. Now listen, before we criticize Mary for her failure to understand that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead as he proclaimed, we should try and appreciate her love and devotion. She had tremendous love and devotion for her Lord. Mary really loved Jesus. He was her all in all. Uh, Mary had rightly learned to become dependent upon Jesus. Jesus, remember, had ministered to her in some extraordinary ways. He had mercifully delivered her from being possessed by seven demons. We can't even begin to imagine what kind of impact Jesus had on this woman's life. Uh, this woman loved him so much that she wanted to be with him, even if it meant just being in the presence of his body at his grave. It was her love that caused her to linger. And it was her love that caused her to want to be at the last place he was seen. And while she had apparently yet to believe or trust that Jesus had raised from the dead, she knew that somehow, in some way, Jesus Christ was her only hope. She knew and she had to know where her Savior was. She had to know this. She wasn't about to stop looking for him. How many of us, I wonder, if we applied this, have such love and dependence upon Jesus even now? How many of us actually show this type of love? Is it our business to seek him at all times? To really desire to be with him wherever he is, to commune with him, to know his ministry towards us on a personal level, day in and day out. This is the kind of devotion and love that Mary had for her Lord and Savior. And as we'll see in just a moment, her love, her perseverance, would, it would reap a rich reward for her. On that glorious resurrection Sabbath, she would be the first person to lay eyes on the resurrected Jesus. The first to talk with him. The first to hold him. To worship him in his glorified state. And her love, devotion, and perseverance in seeking for her Lord, she's a living example of what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, where he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. As well, we also learn in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we're told there that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And now we're going to notice how the Lord rewarded his servant Mary that day. He, he first rewards her by sending angels to minister to this weeping woman. That's what we learn from verse 12. He sent angels to minister to this weeping woman. The angels were sent to Mary that morning to do what they had been created to do. They went to minister to the Lord's child. That's what angels do. They are ministering spirits, as we're told in the scriptures. Now, Mary was either distraught or so preoccupied that she couldn't tell that she was in the presence of angels, or at least it could be the angels were in the appearance of men, but she seemingly doesn't even acknowledge that they're angels. We don't know for certain why, but either way, she didn't realize that angels were in her midst. 
Uh, Gerhardas Voss has a very interesting perspective to share with us about this angelic encounter. Listen to what he says. He says, Let us not overlook, however, that Mary's disregard of the angels revealed in a most striking form something good also. To wit, her intense preoccupation with the one thought of finding the Lord. For him, she had been looking into the tomb. He not being there, it was empty to her view, though filled with angelic glory. She would have turned aside without speaking, had not the angels of their own accord spoken to her, woman, why weepest thou? These words were meant as an expression of sympathy quite natural in beings want to rejoice over repenting sinners. But in this question, there is at the same time a note of wonder at the fact that she could be weeping at all. To the mind of the angels, the resurrection was so real, so self-evident, that they could scarcely understand how to her it could be otherwise. They felt, as it were, the discord between the songs of joy with which their own world was jubilant and this sound of weeping coming from a world of darkness and despair. Woman, why weepest thou? Tears would be called for indeed, hadst thou found him in the tomb, but not at a time like this, when heaven and earth unite in announcing he is risen in glory, the king of life. That really caused me to think this week. When they spoke to Mary, they asked her this very simple question, woman, why are you weeping? And in asking this question, I believe there's a bit of a mild rebuke to her in this. It's as if they're telling her, why on today of all days would you have any reason to weep? It's an opportunity for her to reflect on why she was reaping, uh, she was weeping, why she should recall the words of her Savior. And friends, listen to me, this is the case for every one of us today as well. We don't know exactly how the Lord uses his angels as ministering spirits to his children today, but we do know his ministry is ever before us in his words and by his saints. We have no lack of opportunity to be ministered to by the scriptures and definitely we have brothers and sisters in Christ to seek out for counsel and prayer. So let me ask you, when we are down and depressed, when we're weeping like Mary without hope and in complete despair, we do ourselves a favor to ask this same question. Why am I weeping? Why am I down? Why, in an ultimate sense, am I depressed? See, the psalmist in Psalm 42 through 43, which we read earlier, did the same thing. Each time he pointed himself back to the Lord to turn his weeping into worship. Psalm 42, 11 says, Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Then Psalm 43, verses 2 through 4, the psalmist says, Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of my God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Can I ask you a question? Are, are you weeping this morning? And, and I'm not saying, Jesus isn't saying here simply there's never a time for you to shed tears. But let me ask you, are you weeping like this as one who is in despair without hope? Is there something going on in your life that's overwhelming you? I know many of us could 
think of a couple things, I'm sure, in the last uh, month or so that's been overwhelming. Let me ask you, why are you weeping? I'm sure each one of us is tuned into this service this morning with something going on in our lives, probably several issues, if we're honest. Some of us come with troubled hearts because we've been looking for something and have yet to find it. Maybe that describes you. Perhaps you're somebody who is living life on a quest to find something or somebody to satisfy the longing of your soul. Maybe you're somebody who cries themselves to sleep each night because you're so dissatisfied with all the prescriptions the world has offered to you to satisfy your innermost longings and desires. Perhaps you know from personal experience that doctors can't prescribe enough pills to fully satisfy you and rid your heart and mind of whatever it is that's causing you anxiety. Folks, I'm happy to tell you that if you are looking to be ministered to in the depths of your soul today, if you are looking for that which truly satisfies the longing of your heart, then you have come to the right place. As it was for Mary, so it is for each of us. We must draw close to Jesus. We must pursue Jesus at all costs. We must have him if we would have our weeping turned into joy. Jesus is our minister. He is our great physician. He is our only hope and our only comfort in this life and the next. The good news is he is here this morning to minister to you. If you would seek him now, he may be found. Listen to the call of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. He is near even now. Psalm 145, 18 through 19 says, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. If we truly understand the implications of the empty tomb, then we will recognize, friends, that you and I really have no good reason to go on weeping, to go on in despair. The Apostle Paul reminds us in chapter 8 of Romans verse uh, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So then in light of what we know about Jesus and in light of what he's promised us, what reason do we have to really go on weeping without hope? Church, the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he is ruling over all things for the good of you, for the good of his church. Praise God, we have no reason to weep this way any longer. See, if the body of Jesus had still been laying there in the grave, then Mary would have certainly had reason to weep, to go on weeping. And not just that day, but eternally. But his body wasn't there. So so that leads us to the question, why then was Mary weeping? Well, we know. I, I think it was her lack of understanding of the words that caused her to weep that day. She did not understand Jesus' words, and because she didn't understand Jesus' words, it caused her to go on weeping. Now, listen to me, no doubt, there is certainly 
an appropriate time to, to mourn the loss of a loved one. The scriptures tell us that and encourage us that. Tears are very appropriate at the grave of someone you love. With this one exception. The one time and place where tears were the most inappropriate was at the empty tomb of Jesus on that resurrection Sabbath. There was no cause for mourning, only cause for great rejoicing. In fact, the empty tomb would change forever the way that Christians would look at the funerals of those who are in Christ. It's because that that grave was empty that those who are in Christ have cause to rejoice the fact that all of those of us who are in him are yet alive and we will see them again soon. Had Mary rightly understood what Jesus said concerning his resurrection, she would not have been weeping that day. She would have been filled with joy at the prophecy of her Lord and Savior that it had come to pass. You know, friends, there are times when we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by events in our lives to the point where we fall into a state of depression. Uh, we've seen articles and things throughout this time during the pandemic that say just that. But friends, let me just remind you, I believe when we do so, it's oftentimes because we fail to understand and trust what the scriptures say. Mary had, had been with Jesus. She knew what Jesus had prophesied concerning his death and his resurrection, but how quickly she had forgotten or perhaps even just failed to believe. And if we're being honest with ourselves, when we look at Mary, we see a portrait of each one of us in her. In this lover of Jesus, we find a mixture of faith and doubt, belief and unbelief all at the same time. Folks, what is it but doubt and unbelief that can be traced back to the cause of so much of our anxiety and depression in this life? What we need to do is we, we need to pray to God for the grace of stronger faith and a greater desire to grow closer to the Lord Jesus we need to recognize what grace is so that we don't fall into further despairs. We don't live up to some sort of self-righteousness. But we would know we've been given Christ's righteousness. And that grace would turn our despair and depression into joy. The closer we are to Jesus, the more we will experience his peace in this life. This reminds me of something I read the other day that I think perfectly illustrates where we are in this culture Sometimes God calms the storm, but sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. That's the way God works, you see. His desire is to minister to your soul. He doesn't always take away the storm. He doesn't always take away the virus and make it go instantly away, though he can and has the power to do so. But oftentimes what he does is he ministers to his children in the midst of this. I think we've all seen that and testified. Well, as we've seen from Mary's response, the ministry of the angels was not quite enough for her. She needed more. And we're told that all of a sudden, Jesus is standing there at the tomb. Now, Mary does not recognize the glorious nature of her company in verse 14. She doesn't. Mary does not recognize the glorious nature of her company. And at first, we might wonder, what in the world? What's, what's wrong with you, Mary? How could she not recognize her Lord and Savior. 
How could she not recognize the very one she was looking for, that she was desperate to find? Well, keep in mind that Mary wasn't the only disciple of Christ that did not recognize him in his glorified state. We have the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and not only that, in the next chapter, we'll see disciples on the boat who didn't recognize Jesus either. So it's safe to say that much about the glorified, glorified body of our Lord, there is a lot of that that we just really can't comprehend. There is much that we will just have to be confident to wait and find out when we experience it ourselves. I won't say much more on this because I think this next point is very important. Because notice what Jesus asked her. He asked her the very same question, why are you weeping? That causes us to recognize something. Mary was weeping right in front of her remedy. She was weeping in front of her remedy. You know, Sometimes, friends, we are so consumed by the troubles, uh, by our grief, that we fail or forget to see the Lord in our midst. We sometimes get so overwhelmed with our troubles that we fail to see that the very remedy is right there in front of us. Mary was weeping right in front of her Lord. J.C. Ryle says this. He says, her tears were needless. Her anxiety was unnecessary. Like Hagar in the wilderness, she had a well of water by her side, but she had not eyes to see it. What thoughtful Christian can fail to see that we have here a faithful picture of many a believer's experience? How often we are anxious when there is no just cause for anxiety. How often we mourn over the absence of things which in reality are within our grasp and even at our right hand. Two-thirds of the things we fear in life never happen at all, and two-thirds of the tears we shed are thrown away and shed in vain. Let us pray for more faith and patience and allow more time for the full development of God's purposes. Let us believe that things are often working together for our peace and joy, which seems at one time to contain nothing but bitterness and sorrow. Now, I want you to, to remember something here. It's important for us to see that even though Mary is weeping, even being rebuked for her weeping, that the Lord Jesus Christ is ready to minister to us during the times of our need. I want you to see this. The Lord's uh, not like Jimmy Dugan in this way. And if you know who Jimmy Dugan is, he's a, a character played by Tom Hanks in the movie uh, League of Their Own, one of uh, classic movies. If you know anything about that movie, Tom Hanks is a grumpy, disgruntled, uh, drunk, uh, former baseball player who is charged with managing a group of females to play baseball while the men are off fighting a war. And there's this hilarious scene in the movie where his outfit fielder misses the cutoff man and just like any manager would do uh, to a baseball player he gets chewed out by his coach and so you see Tom Hanks Jimmy Dugan and this character and he's he's yelling at this woman for missing her cutoff throw and the woman starts weeping <laughs> uh, she starts crying and you see him absolutely flabbergasted and he says that famous line that many I think have quoted where he says are are you crying there's no crying in baseball, right? Th this is not what the Lord is doing here. He's not shaming Mary for weeping and saying, there's no reason for you ever to cry or be sad. What are you doing? Uh, this reminds me of Psalm 56, 8, where Jesus says, you've taken account my wonderings, put my tears in the bottle. Uh, are they not in your book? And, and here's what we see here. 
Uh, We see that Jesus Christ is always ready to minister to us in our greatest needs. And and we see a living example of, of Jesus to his saints taking note of their tears. Now, whether or not we have good reason to cry or or have a troubled heart, our Lord still cares deeply for us. He doesn't sharply say, you have no reason to weep, and then lets us be on our own. No, he comes to us, and he meets us where we are, and he sets out to minister in our hearts in a way that only he can. We see this very thing in what Jesus goes on to say to her. Notice, he, he not only asked her why she was weeping, but he adds, whom are you seeking? Who are you looking for? Was this not even another attempt to, to get Mary just to stop and just to think about what's going on? Again, Jesus was right there in front of her. The one who asked her whom she was seeking was the very one she was seeking. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He didn't allow her failure to recognize him to keep him from further ministering and manifesting himself to her. With a single word spoken in the right tone at just the right time, Jesus said to her, Mary. And friends, that's all it took. Mary. That one word, that right word spoken in due season would change this weeper into a worshiper. This one word would change this weeping woman to a worshiping woman. Surely you can see the extremely personal nature of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he has for his people. Our translations quote Jesus saying Mary, but it's even more personal that when you look closer, he, he calls her by her familiar name in the Aramaic, the word Miriam. And she responds in kind by calling him Rabbani. Or teacher, my teacher, my rabbi. Listen, folks, the, the work of Jesus, it does have wide-ranging implications. His, his ministry affects millions of souls. But with that said, one thing we can see from this passage is that despite the fact that his ministry has a certain corporate aspect to it, he makes it a point to call each and one of his sheep by their name. That's exactly what he said of himself when he described himself as the good shepherd in John chapter 10, verse 3, where he says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When Jesus called out her name that morning, it was then that she recognized him. She recognized the voice of her shepherd. It was then that she realized that he was alive. It is then that she responded in worship and joy. Here again, we see another aspect of the scriptures being lived out before us. In Psalm 35, weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. On that glorious resurrection morning, Mary went from weeping to worship. From sorrow to everlasting joy. And the same can be true for each one of us here today. Whatever your troubles, whatever your groaning, if you would but look to Christ and see him for the loving, merciful Savior that he is, your sorrow can be turned into joy. Jesus said but one word to Mary, and that one word turned her whole world upside down in just a moment. Friends, that's all it takes. You know, we all recognize the difference between hearing our names called by those who don't know us and hearing our names called by those 
who are familiar to us. I know when I answer a phone and I hear the voice on the other end saying, Mr. Cody Page, that is not a close friend, right? Nobody calls me Mr. Cody Page that knows me. Here's the point I want you to see. If, if you belong to Jesus, you're not just a bunch of numbers in a book to him. We are his people. He knows each one of us by name. The scriptures even says, uh, it tells us that he even knows the hairs on our heads. He knows our thoughts. Every thought, every need, every problem, every fear, he ministers to us as only he can. So the question for each of us is whether or not we've heard him call out our name. Has Jesus already begun ministering to your soul personally this morning? Jesus was ready to minister to his precious saints while he was on earth. Now, since his ascension, he is able to even minister in greater measure by the ministry of his Holy Spirit. He is ready and willing even now to grant you the grace in the midst of your present circumstances to hear his voice call you by name. He knows your name. He knows your needs. Will you look to him in faith to receive his ministry? Well, Mary immediately responds by grabbing hold of Jesus and clinging to him in such a way that she would not let go. So Jesus goes on to tell her something very interesting. He says, go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. There are some rich pieces of teaching contained in this verse. Notice Jesus tells Mary to go to my brethren. Jesus calls us his brethren. This is the first and only time in the Gospel of John where Jesus refers to his disciples as brothers and sisters. There's something wonderfully rich and dramatic that happened when Jesus rose from the dead on that glorious morning. By his resurrection, Jesus brought about a change in our relationship that would have eternal ramifications. With his work finalized and accepted by his father, he no longer counts himself only as our king, but as our brother. That's huge. No longer are we only called the friends of God, as great as that is, but we're also now called his brethren. That means we belong to the same family. It means that we belong to the same father. It also means that we will have access to the same inheritance because we're told we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And think about this in light of what we know about the disciples. Recall how the disciples left Jesus a few days earlier. They fled. You remember that. But despite their failures and despite our many failures, he continues to be pleased to call us his brethren. What a loving, gracious, and merciful Savior we have in Jesus Christ. To add to this great privilege Jesus also says that he's ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Again, in this, he notes the special privilege we have uh, to have the same father as Jesus himself. But the way he words this can kind of be a little awkward at first glance, can it? Uh, you might wonder, why does he say it like this? Your God and my God, your father and my father. There's a reason Jesus speaks this way. The reason is this, is it's because while it's certainly true that we have the same Father and the same God, it's not the case that we have him in the same manner as Jesus did. That means to be understood. 
The relationship of Jesus to the Father is unique and distinct. It's a relationship he has with the Father by his very nature. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. There was never a time where he wasn't the Father's Son. But that's not the case with us. Our our relationship to God isn't natural. It comes by way of grace through adoption. Yes, he's the same God and Father, but he is our God and Father in a different manner than he has always been to Jesus. The Father is his Father by nature. He's our Father by grace. God is his God as a man, but our God only through him as our mediator. Now, in our final verse of our passage, we find Mary going forth to declare good news. So we find in the last verse, verse 18, she's going forth to declare good news. The message that Jesus had given her to share with others, she was to tell them. She had seen the Lord, that he had spoken to her. Church family, those of us who are in Christ have a similar message to share with others as well, don't we? Though we haven't seen him with our eyes and heard his audible voice, we have certainly heard his message with our ears. He would have us to go and share this message of redemption, this message of the hope of the resurrection with this lost and dying world. My prayer is that he would grant us the grace to be faithful in this endeavor. Friends, there's a a final charge here. If you do not know Christ, if you have, have no reason to really rejoice today because you really don't know him, I pray that you would see this That his resurrection affirmed that that God accepted the sacrifice he made for sinners like you. That if you would but repent and place your faith in him, then you can hear him through his gospel message. Call out your name and your life can be changed. You don't have to go on as one who weeps with no hope. You don't have to be uh, this weeper who goes on in despair. You can be changed and your weeping can turn to worship. Yes, you'll still have trials in this life. Yes, there'll still be difficulties, but in an ultimate sense, you will be defined no longer as just a weeper, but you will be defined as a worshiper because of our God who saves. Friends, if that's you this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer is that you'd hear this gospel message, that you would repent, that God would change your heart, you would call out to him and you would be saved. And church family, for us, The application is simple. This is the most joyous day. Because this is the day that gives us hope. This is every Christian's birthday. Because at the resurrection, Christ gives victory over death. He he purchases And it shows that God the Father accepted that purchase on the cross so that you and I could know him. If you're a Christian, you know this. You know that the ultimate reason why your joy can never be taken away from you is because of what happened on this day, that we serve a living Savior. And that now because of that, he is Jesus' God and my God. That we have the same God, the same Father, through grace. Praise God for his wondrous, wondrous work on the cross. Let's pray together. Father, how marvelous you are 
We thank you for this wonderful work. Father, you have turned our weeping into worship. You have turned us from being those who have no hope and purpose in this life to having the only true purpose in this life, to bring you honor and glory. So, Father, we praise you for that. Let this be a day of joy for the Christian. May we feast, may we celebrate, may we shout in joy, may we worship. But Lord, for those who are still only weepers without the worship, for those who are still in their sins, they have nothing to rejoice about. Lord, we pray that you'd change that. We pray that you'd speak to them through your word, that this morning, even now, wherever they're watching this or listening to this, within their heart of hearts, you would grant them the faith to trust you, that they would repent of their sins, they would call out to you by faith, and you would turn them as well from a weeper to a worshiper. Help us, Lord. Help us share this message of good news today. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.